0: The most beautiful place in the world, where a tar-heel blue sky blankets Murphy on its way to the Tennessee border. It's a long way from Raleigh and the Outer Banks, but we're living in Carolina, too. In fact, you might call it Extreme Carolina. With more, here's Michael Borkman. And to welcome, welcome, everyone, and to the show, the Extreme Carolina show, where we focus on great people with great stories who prove in their everyday lives that anything is possible. We strive to bring you relatable life lessons from interesting and inspiring people as they live out their purpose on this earth. Folks, get ready. It's time for some good news you can use. And folks, we have an amazing, amazing person here on today, or lady, should I say, that is doing uh, and working in the community as definitely someone who's giving back. And her name is uh, Mrs. Terry Magro, and she is the vice president, or excuse me, co-founder of the Micro Magro Foundation. She coordinator of the event. She's a liaison of the uh, with the cancer center there for kids in what Winthrop University Hospital departments of pediatric. And Child Life Department. We want to just welcome Mrs. Magro with a hearty, hearty, strong Extreme Carolina. Welcome and
1: good morning. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Carolina. It's great to be on the show.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so very much. We appreciate you being here on the show. And let's just dive right into it. Let's don't take up a whole bunch of time. Let's get to the facts. So now you're the uh, you are and your husband, Paul, You guys started uh, the uh, Michael Magro Foundation uh, a few years back. And that was, what year was that that you
1: guys? We actually started um, to do some fundraising in 2004 and incorporated as a 501c3 in January of 2005. So we've been around a while. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask
0: you this. I mean, the big question is... uh, so why why did you guys start because you both were working doing great you were a nurse doing things at the hospital and all this net up at saint francis what caused you to start this foundation?
1: so michael it was uh it was a turn of events in uh march of 2004 when my um my younger son mark who's now 27 was 11 he was it was um March of 2004, he was diagnosed with um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a cancer of the lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. And he started um, pediatric cancer treatment at uh, Winthrop University Mm -hmm. Hospital in in Mineola, Long Island, New York. Uh, And he was was going through his cancer treatment when um, Michael... My older son, who was 13 and a half at the time, in uh, Memorial, around Memorial Day weekend, actually, um, started to feel kind of funky, thought he had the flu, brought him to the doctor, diagnosed mm-hmm. him with pneumonia, and that actually uh, didn't resolve itself. And a week later, we brought him back to the uh, pediatrician, and uh, with a repeat chest X-ray, they saw that um, he had signs of either Hodgkin's or, or leukemia. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking more than a deep breath, Paul and I were like, this can't possibly be happening. We have two boys and both of them are uh, Mm -hmm. being diagnosed with cancer within months of each other. Um, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it was true. Michael was diagnosed with a very um, aggressive cell and it was leukemia. Mm -hmm. So um, his his bout of treatment was was a was short by comparison le- leukemia treatment is usually two to two and a half sometimes three years but michael really did not mm-hmm. do well um the the cell just took over uh- Part of it was the fact that he was 13 and a half and it was, you know, your hormones changing Mm -hmm. and a lot of things going on. The pneumonia is what brought the leukemia to the forefront. So um, Michael was diagnosed on June 8th of 2004 and he passed away on July 30th of 2004, just a couple of um, short. Weeks really later. Um, So it was devastating to say the very least. So now I have a cancer survivor who was just finishing up his last radiation treatment and Michael was being put on a ventilator. And Mm -hmm. then a week later, Michael passed away. So Paul and I um, decided that we would start something in Michael's memory to help the families of children going through the same thing that we went through because it's, uh, it's devastating on, Mm -hmm. on multiple, multiple levels. And as you mentioned earlier, sure, I am a nurse. Um, so I've worked in the hospitals for many, many years. I was always adult surgery, um, very little knowledge of pediatrics, but you learn it kind of fast. But, um, (laughs) yeah but you know just family dynamics is really uh what played into us starting this foundation because it's amazing how much money goes through your fingers in a very short amount of time no matter how much you try to budget uh when you have a child going through cancer treatment no two days are the same and when you get to the the treatment center you never really know what to expect so you may be going there for what is a blood draw and you know a five minute visit just to check on everything and then they find that you know their red Mm -hmm. blood cells are low and they need to transfuse the child and now a five minute appointment just turned into maybe four or five hours because they have to hydrate them they have to Mm -hmm. infuse them they have to hydrate them and however they do on it you know Mm -hmm. changes so you know Um, I love to talk, Michael. And um I got to talk (laughs) No, we wouldn't (laughs) uh, so I uh you know, I'm talking to all the nurses, the doctors, the staff, the families, the patients, the moms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, realizing how devastating uh this disease is financially to everybody because there's so much money uh, um just paying insurance. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, people have insurance of course, and we're fortunate in this country, but a lot of it is very high deductibles. And so you you need to meet that deductible before insurance mm-hmm. kicks in. So a lot of that goes right onto a credit card or however it's being paid and your debt ratio yeah. to what you're now bringing in for the family finances has gone down because you need to either resign or mm-hmm. take a leave of absence. So right there, your income has gone down. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the society is such that there are a lot of single parent um, families. So it may just be that one yeah. parent that's now caring for the child in treatment and had mm-hmm. to take this uh, cut so um mm, yeah so we maybe. you know we we saw how people struggled and how they were you know the lights weren't getting turned on because they weren't making their utility payments and their telephones were being shut mm-hmm. off and you know it's it, it, it went on mm-hmm. and on and on so when Mike passed away mm-hmm. as a family um mark as my cancer survivor, Paul and I decided that we would try and help these people at that very level, that very grassroots level of just helping them mm-hmm. maybe be able to smile for a moment because somebody was out there who understood yeah. exactly what they were going through and help them to mm-hmm. get that bill paid and take one of them off their plate at the moment. So that's what our focus is, is to really help the families direct. And one of the biggest ways we do that is mm-hmm. paying, um, you know, we can't pay always the entire month's mortgage because mortgages in New York can be very high. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least we can help make a dent in it and work with another foundation to hopefully offset the entire thing. Uh, it's just a Band-Aid on a draining wound because that mortgage comes up every month. But if we can help for the interrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we, pay, we, we mm-hmm. pay the oil bill, the gas bill, the electric bill, the phone bill, put gas in their car, give them food, you know, um, gift mm-hmm. cards for food, um, buy the siblings something fun because now the siblings are being told, I don't have money to pay the bills, I have to pay all of this um our utility bills our day-to-day living expenses Mm -hmm. our medical expenses you know i don't have money to give you 10 15 to go to a starbucks a dunkin donuts a panera just to hang out with your friends Mm -hmm. and so the resentment then on the psychosocial level becomes heightened so we try to undo some of that and at least let the parents say you know what i received a gift card and, and I'd like to give you this gift card to just hang out with your friends and go down to you know the local mm-hmm. Starbucks or coffee shop, for lack of another word, um, and just hang out a little bit. Go, maybe go to the movies, you know, do something like that. Now the climate's a little different with COVID, so we can't do some of those things. But nevertheless, hey. Mm-hmm. They want to be You're back in the game, to so Extreme to speak. The child Carolina that's sick wants to be back in the game, years. and the siblings, we'll right after back. the initial after shock, it's like, okay, when is sponsors. this going to end? And when you hear that the treatment course could be upwards of two to three years, these these kids are devastated, mm-hmm. but they're also angry, and they, they don't know which way to turn. They're being pushed mm-hmm. from, you know, grandma's house to the neighbor's house to the friend's house, you know, back and forth. It's, um, it, t- it takes a toll, uh, psychosocial toll.
0: You know, yeah, well, I, I can see that. I mean, huge toll, not just on the sibling, but the family uh, uh, yes. as a whole. And, uh, and I saw where you were uh, doing things, where you were. You, you mentioned uh, someone gave you a, uh, a Starbucks card or some kind of something to help mm-hmm. with the family. And that was when you began, at that point, To probably start to think about foundation because you guys were running deep, deep into your money, but other people were giving you gift cards and this and that, which was helping out. And uh, you guys were turning around and donating. I mean, you even uh, your your kid, Michael, being a young, young teenager, he missed playing his video games and stuff like that in the hospital. And so uh, you guys donated a couple of things like that. But I tell you what, you know, we want to get, we, we want to ask a little bit more how that foundation actually started. But before we do that, we have to break away for a commercial, but we'll be back on the other side. So folks that are listening here, this is amazing, powerful story. And we're going to come back to it. But we're going to break away from our sponsors, but don't go away. We'll be right back. Tar Heel Basketball, Cam's Panthers, Asheville's eclectic nightlife and the Great Smoky Mountains, it belongs to us, too, out here in extreme Carolina. Once again, here's Michael Borkman. Be sure to visit our brand new website, michaelborkman.com, to access exclusive online content, including over 150 episodes of previous content for free. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Extreme Carolina. And lastly, if you don't want to miss an episode with our amazing guest, and trust me, you don't, you can now subscribe to our podcast and let the new episodes come to you automatically. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show, Extreme Carolina. Today, we're here. Uh, we're we're talking with the co-founder of Michael Magro Foundation, which is an organization that helps uh, families that their kids or their young kids are going through a terrible, terrible, horrible disease with cancer and other things like that. So uh, Terry was just sharing with us about her son, how what happened. I mean, I'm just blown away. I just can't see how I How you wrap your mind around not one, but two kids had it pretty much at the same time. That's enough just go walk and fall Mm -hmm. off a building, you know, walk in front of a truck or something. I mean, that's terrible. I don't mean to make fun of it, you know, but you would have to be a strong, strong uh, minded person or a person that really has strong faith. So uh, with that said, uh, as you were doing and you were moving along and people were helping you, at, at, at what point that you and Paul decided, you know what, let's see what we can do to give back?
1: Well, it, it was actually shortly after um, Michael's passing. Um, you know, Paul and I do have a, a strong religious um, Catholic background. And so we started with one of mm-hmm. the... Um, uh, groups that was helping parents that had lost children and uh we went we went to that mm-hmm. one meeting that um was recommended to us by by the parish and um we sat there for uh, for a little while just talking to the parents that were there and hearing about how they all have been in the same same boat so to speak and had lost a child and it sounded mm-hmm. michael as though it had happened recently in in the way it was presented at the beginning and then we got into a circle and started mm-hmm. chatting and i realized that most of these people in this room had lost a child maybe five to ten mm-hmm. years prior and they're still mm-hmm. sitting in right. this circle talking about it so mm-hmm. it's not my personality it's not paul's personality we walked out of that meeting and said you know what I I can't just sit here and just go over and over and over this horrific story uh, without moving forward. Michael was um, an energetic, giving, uh, peaceful type of child, and I wanted that to really be what took precedence, not the fact that he passed away, mm-hmm. but who and what he had mm-hmm. done in his 13 and a half short years. And so the only way we thought we could do that was by forming a foundation to keep his memory, his name alive, and be able to help other mm-hmm. families, which is really what my base of my personality is all about. So we uh, we collected up yeah. a couple of friends and we sat down and we brainstormed. One of them was was an attorney. Um, he started the paperwork, and bing bang boom we uh, we started the foundation just just like that mm-hmm. with you, uh, you know a couple of thousand mm-hmm. dollars out of our pocket to to start and as you had mentioned, uh, you know at the time, it was the Nintendo generation in 2004 when Mm -hmm. he was in the hospital and there were no the the hospital really did not have the uh, consoles the systems the games so i felt so bad Mm -hmm. because you know everybody had to bring their own things in and it was it was so cumbersome so after he passed and people were generous with funding um for the funeral and helping us with that but we took some of that money and started to buy uh gaming systems and televisions and that was what we started with he loved basketball and he lived for lacrosse. Um, so we, we did a basketball fundraiser and we bought a scoreboard for the Hicksville middle school. Um, and that, that's kind of how we started it. And then, you know, I, I really delved into it with the clinical people at, uh, at Winthrop, now NYU Winthrop hospital in Mineola, Long Island. And, uh, We learned, you know, from the staff because they're really the people at at the forefront. Those those are the frontline people Mm -hmm. that we call frontline, and learned Mm -hmm. what the needs really were. And so when I sat with administration, I said, "I'm not here. um, I'm not basing this foundation on research. I'm not giving to uh, you know a brick and mortar building. I I don't want a wing of a building. I want to help the family Mm -hmm. because that." struggling so that's that was the premise of how how the entire foundation um uh, got started and right. then we built a board and um and and here we are we're in our 16th year with a all volunteer board nobody right. is paid so our our expenses are pretty mm-hmm. tight and uh, it's about 90 yep. cents on a dollar goes right back into the mission of the foundation so i'm real proud of that
0: that is fantastic. Yeah, you should be. You should be. I mean, you guys, I mean, I, I love the fact that you walked out of the meeting and you were thinking, wow, some of these people are just still in yep. a loop. They can't get out of the loop. And so you and Paul said, uh-uh, we need to do something. Not that you were, you know, uh, you know, downing mm-hmm. those folks, but apparently you wanted to do something tangible. And uh, sitting around a- in a group is fine. It's a good, you know, good thing. But what are you doing to keep your life moving right. forward? And uh that's what that's what you and Paul decided to do. I love that. And you are just giving back everything that you have inside of you or you have access to to the community. Not, you know, not because Paul, uh Michael was gone. And so now what can we do? Of course, we still got a son that we're having to take care of. So as I understand, you're not just talking about it. You were full time at this foundation, along with the board that you said, you know, nobody gets paid. So uh, you had to retire from your position. Uh, oh, my goodness. I mean, that that's just a thing that's amazing within itself. So how, at what point in, in gosh, Lee, I, I want to get into some other things. So I, I guess we may have to keep our answers a little short right here. But uh, so when you decided to do that, well, actually, how did you decide to retire uh, from
1: your Well, my, job? I, I actually retired um, in June of 2020. Um, I had reached full retirement age, and uh, I was debating it. And then COVID came along, and we saw that there were so many more needs that needed to, to happen. I was working remote for a while, um, but then I decided that, you know what, um, covid was like a sign to to really push Mm -hmm. me into saying i'm going to retire i worked full time up until that point as most of the board does Um, but um mm -hmm. in june 26th of 2020 um i decided to to retire and just focus full time because i know there's so much more that can be done and so much more outreach so Mm -hmm. that was the you know Mm -hmm. kind of the um start of of my decision to retire. Oh. So that's uh here we are. And I and I, I don't regret a minute. I, I don't, you know, regret that I retired. I'm you know, sixty six and a half years old, so mm-hmm. it was time.
0: Yeah, well there you go. I mean plus you were at retirement age, so you did get a little something, something from, uh, <laughs> from Uncle Sam. <laughs> and, it was, and we're not going to say it was a lot. It was a little something,
1: <laughs> something.
0: <laughs> as we know who's retired. But anyway, uh, uh, keeping it moving, uh, you and Paul, that had to be devastating on your, your relationship. But I can see just listening to you how you guys decided, you know, hey, what you know what? Yes, we love each other, but we have a calling to do something for the community. And that's what you guys were doing. I am so blow, blown away by that. Now, uh, it, I'd love to get into a little bit more about the foundation, which we probably will, but we may have to have a, a part two where you come back and talk about more. But before we get into that, we always like to ask our guests a couple of things about them. So, I mean, running a, a foundation and doing this stuff like this, that's that but people want to know a little bit more about you and to how do we do that? We ask a few questions. Well, today we don't have a whole bunch of time left, but I'd like to at least get at least one of them in. And one of those questions is reading, reading. And it's so amazing. So what book have you read? And you haven't had a whole lot of time to do that, but what book have you read recently that had the biggest impact on you and why?
1: Well, I, I have to say um, it was probably uh, The Philanthropy Revolution, uh, which is a book written by um, a very intuitive woman, uh, Lisa Greer. And it was really impactful in so many ways for me because I always felt that um, donors needed, needed to be able to connect with the organization. And she really... So Mm -hmm. such a great way she showed big and small organizations how they need to speak to common decency and actually treat donors as people and not just checks and i i I was Mm -hmm. so impressed on how she always went back to the fact that um small gifts can lead to larger gifts and that you must engage your donors and discuss your mission and let them know what, what the outcomes are. Keep them informed, not just, mm-hmm. uh, not just mm-hmm. a check. And And she yeah. was a donor um, yeah. herself and a wealthy woman and people came to her for money but never right. really listened and she never understood what she was donating to and she felt that was wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. And I wrote book, that book. Yeah, That's it's amazing. very inspiring. Yeah yeah we need to definitely put that book in the show notes of extreme carolina uh so folks i tell you what we're up against the clock and i know you want to hear more because guess what i want to hear more this has been such an amazing interview and but we got to cut it short we're running out of time here but i tell you what uh, let's ask the big question terry would you be willing to come back and do a part two and finish no
1: it? i would love to michael i'd be honored
0: Fantastic. All right. Then with that out of the way, we're going to be getting back with her. So folks, keep an ear out on, uh, michaelborkman.com, extreme Carolina. It'll be coming at you. Uh, stay plugged in, like our, our platforms and all that. So with that, with that said, we have got to get out of here. Clock is tick, tick, ticking real fast. So thank you once again, Terry. We appreciate it. We will, we will be talking thank to you soon. And, uh, so it's, well, oh, you're more than welcome. Our pleasure. Ultimately, Extreme Carolina is committed to you, our listeners, to bring you leaders and newsmakers like Terry here, Terry Magro, and uh, that are passionate and purpose-driven and making a difference by listening to their stories. And Extreme Carolina listeners will have an opportunity to refuel, reconnect, and get inspired. Uh, Here we go, folks. Cold of the week. I know you've been waiting on it. Here we go. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. That was MLK, folks. Listen, we got to get out of here. Thank you guys for listening. We see y'all next time, and we love y'all. Peace.